Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, it is Trags, Mike Petralia back with the Thanksgiving week edition of the Jungle War podcast brought to you as always by the FanDuel Sports Network, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. Back with me this week, this Thanksgiving week is the one and only Dan Horde. You know him as the terrific and the inimitable, there's a word, play-by-play uh, <laughs> -play announcer of the Cincinnati Bengals on the Bengals radio network along with Dave Lapham. He also does, I think, one of the best jobs in college sports, uh, announcing the Cincinnati Bearcats football and basketball programs. Dan, welcome. And welcome Thanks, back. You're too kind. I appreciate the, the uh, nice words, and I am proud to now be a four-time member yes, you of are. the Jungle Roar podcast. One to go to get a jacket. I was going to get a big four and put it on my uh, hoodie here, but uh, I didn't have time to do that. But uh, happy to be on with you again. Thank you very much. Um, first of all, uh, I want to get out of the way right now some big basketball news. And we'll get to the football soon enough. But Aziz Bendago, that's great news for Wes Miller and his basketball program, right? It's phenomenal. I don't know if people have any idea how good Aziz is, but he is an NBA player, in my opinion. He's seven feet tall. He jumps out of the gym. He explodes off the floor without bending his knees. He's like Kenyon Martin in that respect. Ooh. He doesn't have to gather himself to jump. He's there, and the next yep. thing you know, his hand is at the top of the square above the rim, so he will instantaneously be one of the top shot blockers in the country. He was fourth in the nation in that category last year. He's as good an alley-oop finisher as I have ever seen. And I saw Derek Coleman at Syracuse. He sure did. He's pretty good at that. Obviously, I saw Kenyon at UC. When Bearcats throw the ball anywhere near the rim, he dunks it. So you're not going to see him shoot a lot of 15-foot jumpers. But he averaged a double-double last year at Utah Valley, and he gives Cincinnati the interior rim protecting presence that uh, was about the only thing missing on this roster well uh that is good news for the bearcats and uh, i think really gives a lot of uh, sports fans in cincinnati a reason to pay even closer attention to west miller's program on to the uh, matter at hand and that would be the cincinnati bengals um obviously awful news uh, last thursday uh, with the wrist injury the torn ligament in the right wrist throwing wrist of joe burrow um, he is gone for the season. Uh, Zach Taylor on Monday uh, telling us basically, and Kelsey Conway asked the question of Cincinnati Inquirer, is there any chance if the Bengals made the playoffs that he could possibly return? And uh, 
Zach said pretty much no. There's no chance of that happening. So we're riding Jake Browning from here on out, uh, assuming he does not get injured. Your thoughts on the job that Jake Browning can do and what he's being asked to do uh, as now the starting quarterback of the Cincinnati Bengals? He's not Joe Burrow. He's not being asked to be Joe Burrow. He's asked being going to be asked to take a very talented group of players and try to lead them to some probably narrow victories in hopes of winning five out of seven and getting into the playoffs. I made this point yesterday, Trags, seven backup quarterbacks so far this year have led their teams to wins. We're talking about Tommy DeVito and Tyson Bagent and Aiden O'Connell and Josh Dobbs, who's now done it for two different NFL Correct. teams. Correct. So this can be done. Now, can it be done five times in seven games? I think realistically, it's probably unlikely, but it's not impossible, especially when you just consider the four home games they have left, all right? Steelers this week with Kenny Pickett at quarterback, 28th in the NFL in scoring, 28th in total yards. New OC. Just changed offensive yeah. coordinators. Maybe that's good. Maybe that's bad in the short term. Who knows? But you probably don't need to score 30 to beat Pittsburgh. You probably need to score somewhere in the low 20s to have a good chance to win that game. Their next game is against, next home game is against the Colts with Gardner Minshew at quarterback. Their home game after that is against the Vikings with Josh Dobbs at quarterback. They've already beaten him once. Their final home game is against the Cleveland Browns with Dorian Thompson Robinson or maybe PJ Walker by then as the starting quarterback. So at least in terms of the quarterbacks they will face, Jake Browning is he's not going up against Patrick Mahomes in any of those games. So let's just say, just for the sake of argument, that they win those four games. Then you've got to steal one road game somewhere. Maybe it's Pittsburgh. Maybe you could sweep Pittsburgh, considering how poorly their offense has performed. I plugged those five wins into the New York Times playoff simulator yesterday, and, and? it spit out a 91% chance of making the playoffs if they win those five games. So it's a big if. You got to go undefeated at home. You got to steal a road game in Pittsburgh. But it's not impossible with Jake Browning at quarterback. So I'm kind of looking forward to seeing what he can do this week. Okay, you remember 2015. You know where I'm going to go with this. The guy that's uh, now the backup quarterback of the Bengals came in in 2015 and won a game at San Francisco. He won a game against the Baltimore Ravens um, and went two and one as a backup. Similarities between A.J. McCarron and what he was asked to do back then and what Jake Browning's being asked to do now. The biggest similarity to me is that they both give off the vibe that I've got this. They are both very confident people in general. And they've got the background to back it up. Obviously, in AJ's case, arguably the greatest college career that anybody ever had. But even in Jake Browning's case, a four-year starter at Washington, sixth in the Heisman vote his sophomore year, took the Huskies to the four-team playoff his sophomore year, the Fiesta Bowl the next year, the Rose Bowl the year after that. Now, he hasn't played much in the NFL. Last week was the first time he played when the game was still on the line. But he's been on NFL practice squads for four years now, two years in the Viking system, two plus years in the Bengals system. I think he's going to go out there and at least be okay. I don't expect it to be too big for him, as Paul Brown used to say. 
he looked all right, at least in the Baltimore game under very difficult I mean, circumstances. Correct. Yeah. And, led him and, to a touchdown drive and a field goal drive in the second half. So again, if you just do the math, that would be a 20 point game. If he could do something like that again, that might be enough to beat the Steelers this Sunday and might be enough to win those other home games I mentioned. And in fairness to him, he looked all right against a top two, three level defense in the National Football League. He didn't look all right against the Carolina Panthers, let's say. He Correct. looked, he, I mean, he was going up in, in very difficult circumstances, everyone knows, uh, against a very difficult, demanding physical defense, very fast defense. It's why Baltimore is so good, uh, is because of their uh, defensive efficiencies. And, you know, that that's all you can really expect against competition like that. I think what I'm expecting to see from Jake Browning is don't commit mistakes. Like we said at the top, don't try to be, don't try to be Joe Burrow. And I don't think he will, but don't try to do things, play the hero uh, when you're not being asked to. One thing I'll add, and Brian Callahan, the offensive coordinator brought this up on Monday talking with us is that he doesn't want the playbook scaled back because in the game uh, when he came in on Thursday night, he, uh, the coordinators, uh, I should say Brian Callahan and Zach asked him, Hey, is there anything that you prefer? Is there anything you want to in reading in between the lines, stay away from, cause you're not comfortable. And he said, no, I want the whole playbook call what you're going to call and I'll make it work. And you have to like Dan, that kind of attitude. I do. He's like I said, he's been here for two plus years. So he knows this offense inside and out. He took most of the first team reps during training camp while Joe Burrow was out with his injured calf. Well, he was splitting them at that point, but he got a bunch of first team reps in training camp. So I'm not worried at all about him knowing the offense, them being able to run their whole offense. I think that's fine. I will say this, and maybe it's a slight pushback on what you said about him, you know, don't make mistakes. I do worry about quarterbacks in these situations that are so obsessed without about not making mistakes, right. about not committing turnovers, that they don't cut it loose. You've still got to, you know, when the when the window is there or you think it's there, you got to throw the football. You can't play timid. I don't think that's going to be the case for Jake. I don't think that's pers his personality, but I do think that's always a little bit of a concern because everybody's going to be saying, just don't turn it over, you know, just manage the game. You can't do that. You got to go out there and let it rip. It's the only way to win in the NFL. Well, and, and, you know, Dan, to your point there uh, in the playoff game against the Steelers, when the Bengals were down 15, nothing, that's when AJ McCarron started. And it was in, if I remember a uh, pretty steady rain uh, mm -hmm. for the most of the second half, he let it rip. And he, he looked like a, a quarterback in command of the offense. And lo and behold, obviously the Bengals uh, came back and took that, um, short-lived lead, but that is the kind of quarterback play you're going to need uh, from a guy like Jake Browning. Look, we don't know really what to expect because Jake Browning's never been in this situation in the National Football League, and that's, you know, part of the beauty of sports. You know, something happens like this that's upsetting to a lot of fans. I get it. Burrow's hurt, and he goes down, but also, and I think this goes without saying, but this is not the same Bengal roster of 2020 when Burrow went down with an ACL. This is a roster that is capable of winning games in a complimentary fashion with defense, turnovers, special teams perhaps, but they can find other ways to win.
Hey, football fans, score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets. That's $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time than now to get in on all the action. And the app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and much more. So visit FanDuel.com Boston and get in on all of the fun action this NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. 21 and present in Massachusetts, hope is here. First online real money wager only. $5 pregame money line wager is required. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit is required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. GamblingHelplineMA.org or call 1-800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. GameSenseMA.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. And they need a better running game. They are not going to morph into the Tennessee Titans from a couple of years ago, handing the ball to Derrick Henry 30 times. That's not what this nope. offense is. And that's not successful, really, in the NFL anymore. But I do think they need to get a little more out of the running game than they have been. They're certainly capable of that. Joe Mixon's had his moments. He is on a pace for a 1,000-yard season. Doesn't seem like he's having a mm. great year, but he's been pretty solid at least week after week. They're going to need to sprinkle in a couple of big games, I think, from Joe down the stretch to, to have a chance to pull this off. And uh, hopefully they can, because I do think they're capable of that. What about Chase Brown? What are your expectations? Assuming he comes back in the next couple of weeks, he could be an X factor for the run game that you just mentioned. I have no idea what to expect. I think we were going to see more of him before he hurt his hamstring. And I, I know they would like to mix that in. He gives them a very different style of running back. From Joe, he's got, you know, the ability to to go 80 uh, more than, than Joe Mixon does. But coming off a hamstring injury with no NFL track record to this point, I just have no idea what to expect. I, I'm looking forward to seeing some of him, hopefully, but I, I don't know how it's going to look. All right, Dan, uh, let's talk about the defense and what you've seen from the defense that needs to improve. I mean, I think a lot of people are wondering what has happened in the last couple of weeks. Why has it regressed? I think some of it is the secondary a lack of communication. I know Jordan Battle told me in the locker room on Monday that uh, we're just not talking the way we need to be talking. Sam Hubbard mentioned communication as well on Monday. What do you see uh, in terms of the defense? What haven't you seen in the last couple of games that we started to see over that four-game winning streak? Well, I thought they had their problems solved after the Buffalo game. They held San Francisco and Buffalo under 20 in back-to-back games. Those are two of the better offenses in the NFL. So I thought the defense was back to normal, and now it has regressed the last couple of games. Sam has missed both of those games. That's a factor. I do think that our greatest fears, where the change at safety were concerned, have kind of panned out to a certain extent. I think Dax has had some great moments this year. I think Jordan played great the other night, but they still don't have the experience, the knowledge, uh, the comfort level, the chemistry 
that Vaughn and Jesse did from playing together for so long. So they've given up way too many big plays, both in the passing game and in the running game. Uh, I don't think Cheeto is all the way back. I think that's evident by the fact that, you know, he's, he's kind of been in and out of the lineup. They've, they've picked their spots with him. So it's all added up to some rough moments and uh, those rough moments have to stop if the Bengals are going to have a chance to, to, like I said, go five and two down the stretch. Reading between the lines, uh, Zach Taylor was asked on Monday, what about Jordan Battle? Um, are we going to see more of Jordan Battle and less of Nick Scott? In other words, is Jordan Battle supplanting uh, Nick Scott as a starting safety? Kind of feels that way. Uh, Jack, Zach did not push back on the question uh, when it came up in his news conference on Monday. So I don't think Nick Scott is totally out of the picture. He's probably still going to very much be in a rotation, but I do think it seems likely that Jordan Battle is going to be elevated to the guy getting most of the snaps. And like I said, I thought he played really well against Baltimore. He might have been the guy that played the best in that game on both sides of the ball. Going back to Burrow for a second before I uh, forget to ask, when the play was happening, uh, when obviously Joe Burrow got hit uh, by Jadavian Clowney. Um, we didn't know it at the time. We knew he got hit, but we didn't know the severity of the injury. Then when he throws a touchdown pass, I I looked at Mixon and I didn't watch and I didn't have really a good view of any replay. Um, I didn't see Burrow bend over in obvious pain. Did you see that like right away? Did you notice that? I don't think anybody did because all of us follow the ball. When he throws a pass, you right. follow the ball to see if it's caught, see what happens after it's caught. So we were all watching Joe Mixon as he made the catch and made his way toward the pylon, got into the end zone as a play-by-play -play announcer. At that point, we kind of have to decide what you're going to watch and talk about. In that case, I was watching Joe for the celebration that followed as he had a choreographed dance that he was doing in the end zone after that play. So that's what my eyes were on. I didn't really know Joe was hurt until my spotter nudged me in the ribs, almost causing a broken rib uh, when the TV <laughs> screen started showing the shot of Joe on the sideline, trying to throw a pass, being unable to release the ball, and then expressing his frustration. So I don't know if that was the first time that came up on the telecast. I haven't gone back and watched yet, but that's when we first became aware that something was amiss and began talking about it on the radio broadcast. A story like this, there's just so much um, leading up to it. In, in this particular case, we we saw the, the social media posts and whatnot, uh, and then they were brought down on Saturday. There's just so much speculation on what happened, what led up to it. And sometimes, Dan, and I, I'm, you've been around long enough, you just have to accept uh, the facts as they present themselves and not read too much into it. You, you follow what I'm saying there? Sure. Uh, I have no reason to believe that Joe Burrow is lying about why he was wearing that thing on his hand uh, when the Bengals were in the air on their way to Baltimore. Compression sleeve is what he called it on Friday. Compression sleeve, all right, to uh, keep swelling reduced. The bottom line is Joe practiced, Joe played. Joe mm -hmm. obviously played very well until getting sacked by Jadevian Clowney. He was zipping the ball in pregame warmups and during the game before his injury. So if he had any sort of pain before the game, certainly didn't seem to be affecting him much. I understand why the NFL would want to take a closer look. Uh, I heard, I guess it was Adam Schefter talking about this, that the NFL may go back and watch the practices leading up to the game just to make sure that Joe is practicing regularly and all of that. So 
uh, you know, these investigations often take a while, but I wouldn't be overly concerned be, just by the way that, you know, Joe performed and, and warmed up prior to the game, that there was anything significantly wrong with him prior to that game. Inside baseball here, uh, some fans may not realize just how closely the NFL scrutinizes every single National Football League or, or many NFL practices. I don't think they can record every single one or monitor every single practice. But I think in this particular case, if there's film out there uh, of those practices, certainly recorded by the team, then the team, then the league is going to request to look at it. H how does that work, Dan? I mean, every every practice is recorded and then uh, the NFL knows that there's tape out there from the team and then they request the tape. Yeah, I think that's pretty much it. So every NFL team films everything from multiple angles as they review the practices and, you know, determine how everybody is, is doing their job and, and pointing out things that they need to do differently. So much like a game, there'll be an end zone shot. There'll be a 50 yard line type shot for uh, position drills. They often have a handheld camera uh, filming all of that. So there's plenty of footage in <laughs> that the Bengals save of all of these practices. If the NFL wants to go to that extent. Uh, we'll finish up here, you know, on a positive note. And I think that is the job that Zach Taylor has done, keeping a positive vibe around the team in light of everything that's happened since Thursday night. Because, look, it's it's human nature, right, Dan, for fans, coaches, players, whatever, to get really down after something like Thursday happens. But what strikes me about Zach Taylor is he, you never get that vibe from him. Or very rarely. I, and I didn't see it after the game Thursday. I didn't see it Friday. You know, when the, he got the news that, uh, you know, Joe Burrow was going to likely have to have surgery. He was done for the year. And maybe it's because Zach takes the time to process the information, processes his emotions before he gets in front of a camera. But it is remarkable to me how positive he remains as a head coach. I think it's one of his biggest strengths. He is calm waters at all time, never too high, never too low. I think his teams reflect that. And I, I do think it was helpful that this happened on Thursday because it did give the team almost, it was almost like you were going through the stages of grieving. Yes, you know? I know. <laughs> so you go through those lows and then you reach the acceptance stage. And I think it helped that they had a few days to do that so that when they showed up on Monday to get back to work and go back to practice, there was a reset. There was a, hey, this happened. It's unfortunate. We hate it. We lost one of the best players in the NFL, but it's football. It happens. We've got seven games left. And just think about this. If the Bengals win on Sunday and a couple of other teams with similar records lose, they are the seventh playoff seed, just like that. Yep. They would need a couple of other teams to also, well, to lose while they win. So, you know, by Monday morning of next week, they could be thinking, shoot, we're a playoff team again, if we can take care of our own business. So uh, I, I think that everybody kind of reset where they were on Monday. And now it's, let's see what we can get done with Jake Browning at quarterback. And not at, look, the division is almost completely out of reach. I mean, it'd have to be a miraculous finish. The Bengals would pretty much have to win their last seven games or at least go six and one, and Baltimore would have to really fall on its face because you don't have the tiebreaker. You don't have any more, obviously, any more right. games with the Ravens. But if they win Sunday, 
they are out of last place technically in the AFC North because they would hold a tiebreaker over Pittsburgh and Pittsburgh would also be six and five. I got to get your thoughts. And, and I know you touched on this earlier. It is, I think I was reading an Adam Schefter tweet from somebody in Pittsburgh, close to the team. This is the first in-season coaching change for a Pittsburgh Steelers team since 1941 or 42. Mm. It's pretty incredible. That's amazing. Well, they've had I three. Mean, they've had three head coaches since the Vietnam War. Yes. So it begins there. Uh, the season that they are having is amazing. They've been outgained in every game but one. They've been outscored for the season. Uh, on average, they're being outgained in terms of total yards by sixty yards a game, and yet they are over five hundred. They make. It seemingly make a key defensive play in the last 10 minutes of every game. And Kenny Pickett completes one big pass, whether it's to Pickens or Johnson. And that seems to be enough to get by. So uh, as I said off the top, I don't think the Bengals will need to score a ton of points to uh, knock off the Steelers this week, but they're going to have to score enough. Pittsburgh will get you know, 14 to 17 points, something like that. You got to be able to get a, a couple of touchdowns, maybe three, uh, and then you can be successful in this game. It does concern me a little bit with George Pickens, Deontay Johnson, Najee Harris. Um, they have guys that can break off big plays. And not that Harris is, you know, a speedster, but that the problem the Bengals have been having is they allow guys to get into open space and then, the, or they close on them, they miss the tackles, then they're in open space, and that's when the really big plays occur. But Kenny Pickett's got to get it to those guys. Yeah. And he hasn't done that consistently this year. He performed very poorly last week against the Browns. He did have a good game against the Bengals in Pittsburgh last year, so we've seen him at about his best in the NFL, and Pittsburgh has managed to win with him as the starting quarterback, but uh, I think every football fan realizes he's not having a very good year individually. Thanksgiving plans in the Horde household? We will be getting together with our neighbors up the street, the Caudills. This has become a Thanksgiving tradition. I can never go home, obviously, because of my duties. The Bearcats have a basketball game on Wednesday night. So rather than going uh, home to where I'm from in upstate New York or to my wife's family in, in New England, yep. uh, we'll be with our neighbors uh, they've got a couple of boys. Uh, Peg and I have a son, so it's always kind of a neighborly Thanksgiving feast. And uh, I'm cooking the turkey, and it'll be great. Well, I it, we're going to have a cook-off because I'm cooking my turkey, my bird. I never cook turkey, Dan. Mm. This never happens right. in the Trags household. But me and the um, lovely significant other, Deborah Ann, are going to attempt to cook a bird for four or five people. And right. we're doing stuffing out of the bird, not in the bird. I don't yeah. know how you prefer that, but out of the bird. Yeah, out of bird for us. Yeah, because just because the turkey will cook quicker. And I want to make sure that there is no food poisoning at the Trags household. <laughs> well, when I see you this weekend, I'll know you survived. Yes, you will. <laughs> um, and uh, you've got a busy night. You've got a busy week again. Uh, you've got... Uh, Bearcats basketball. Oh, by the way, can Aziz play on Wednesday night? Yes, he is immediately eligible. He will play on Wednesday night. 
I uh, talked to Coach Miller moments after the news came out. So uh, Aziz is good to go. And and fingers crossed that Jameel Reynolds gets to join him Correct. sometime soon. His yeah. case isn't over. Uh, I would like to think that the fact that the NCAA allowed one to play does not impact the decision on allowing the other to play. I hope not. Uh, his appeal has not been ruled upon yet. In Aziz's case, they shot down the appeal. And then Cincinnati went through the legal process and and the NCAA ultimately cited new evidence in, in changing its decision. So the appeal continues for Jamil. I hope it doesn't have to get to the uh, the legal remedy in his case. And, and it'd be great if they had both because Aziz is the shot blocker. Jamil is the guy that you can pass it to on the low block and he will score. And football season uh, at Clifton ends on Saturday night. It's been a rough one for Scott Satterfield, but um, Kansas, 7.30 p.m. Any thoughts on that game? I think they'll uh, Senior night. I think they'll bounce back and at least play much better than they did last week. They had a great win two weeks ago against Houston. I don't know if they were still savoring that win a little bit too much uh, because they laid an egg against West Virginia, but it's senior day. Uh, there are more than 20 seniors on this team, including some guys that Bearcat fans have grown very fond of over the years, Juwan Briggs, Taj Ward, and others. So I hope they play well. Uh, if you have any interest in Kwame Lassiter of the Bengals, the practice squad wide receiver, his brother is a defensive back for Kansas. Kwame went to Kansas. Uh, Darren Simmons went to Kansas. So there are some Bengals ties on the uh, Jayhawks as well. He, he certainly did, and he proudly uh declares that every time you ask him. About. Although his son plays for UC, his son is a freshman, a long snapper, so he's not playing yet, but he will undoubtedly snap at some point down the road for the Bearcats. So so Darren has uh competing loyalties on Saturday night, his alma mater and his son's current team. Hope you and Peg and family and friends, neighbors have a wonderful Thanksgiving, Dano. Drags, appreciate it. You you too. Good luck with the turkey. Uh, and hope you guys have a wonderful holiday. All right. He is Dan Horde, the one and only play-by-play -play voice of the Cincinnati Bengals. And, of course, be sure to catch him calling UC games, both basketball and one more time this year, football Saturday evening against Kansas. Until next week, thanks for watching this episode of the Jungle Roar podcast powered by FanDuel Sportsbook, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. Until next week, I'm Mike Petralia. Keep that jungle roaring.